Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome in Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Happy Wednesday, the, tw- the 20th of January, 2021. I'm Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizapia. As we say hello to a new president on Inauguration Day, we say goodbye to a legendary NFL quarterback. Very interesting day developing as well. we got some big baseball news to get to. The one free, big free agent signing happened yesterday, so we're going to break that down a little bit more with the Toronto Blue Jays. But, Joe, on this day where we welcome new things, we also say goodbye to some old things as Philip Rivers decides that uh, he's going to call it a career after his one season in Indianapolis. Uh, no doubt a Hall of Fame career for sure. And uh, going to be interesting because we like to do comparisons in sports, Joe. And I'm guessing we'll put Philip Rivers up against some of the game's best and kind of determine where he stands from there. Yeah, well, we're actually everything old is new again, and some of the old folks are leaving now. And Philip Rivers, maybe Drew Brees, are seeing that changeover that was inevitable in the NFL. And when you look back at the career of Philip Rivers, and I'm sure we'll talk more about this as the show goes on, this was a very good quarterback for about 15 plus years, and a quarterback that I think was always in that top discussion in the league, always in that top 10 fantasy in his prime. People always liking Philip Rivers and what he's able to do. Also, a product of the environment of the NFL that he played in. So it's a little tough to judge him against some other quarterbacks of yesteryear because the game has changed so much and opened up so much. So, of course, passing numbers are much higher. But I think when you sit back and look at the career, look at the totals, look at him versus his peers, it's hard not to think that Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. And I got to tell you, Craig, I was a little surprised about this because it felt like he had a really strong finish to the season. Indianapolis went down fighting against Buffalo. And uh, it's going to be fascinating now to see where Indianapolis goes next for that quarterback situation, because now, like a lot of other teams, they have a big fat question mark at who is starting a quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. And they join a host of other teams will be looking for a starter in 2021. Yep, they certainly do. Let's take a look at our headlines here for today. Rivers retires, as Joe mentioned, after 17 seasons, 16 with the Chargers, a bunch with San Diego, a couple with L.A., and then on to the Colts to finish off his career. Last night, the news broke from a very little-known reporter in Canada, by the way. He got the scoop. George Springer signs a six-year, $150 million deal with the Blue Jays, making him the third-highest-paid outfielder in Major League Baseball, average annual salary behind Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. The Blue Jays also signed Kirby Yates, who got a pretty penny there. I saw the report of about seven, eight million dollars for Yates, and then I think they, they scaled it back to like five. I don't know what the final number is, but a pretty good number for Yates as well. Unfortunately, Another Hall of Famer passes away yesterday, Don Sutton, who I got to know pretty well through many years of him broadcasting games for the Atlanta Braves, of course, playing against the Marlins many times, 
Had some really good conversations with him. So that hit me yesterday. And Tiger Woods is going to be out for a while having a fifth back surgery, unfortunately, mm-hmm. for him. But, uh, you know, certainly there's a lot here on the show, Joe. We talked about Rivers. We'll get back to him in a second. Uh, George Springer signs with the Toronto Blue Jays. That's the biggest move so far this offseason for any player, essentially. And it shows you that the Blue, the Blue Jays are basically ready to charge, ready to win at this point. I wish more teams would do this. I wish there were 12 teams, Joe, that were out there that were really fighting. But outside of who? The White Sox, the Dodgers, the Yankees a little bit. I mean, the Padres. Like, I mean, who's really doing anything right now? I guess I got to give a lot of credit to the Blue Jays for trying, first and foremost. Yeah, and look, they're adding a, a very good player. We're going to break Springer down more later on the show, but this is a game-changing player, not just offensively, but defensively, too. A very good defensive player, a really high-character guy, too. Everybody really liked him in the clubhouse. I know in Houston, always positive things you always hear about George Springer. And, you know, in a lot of ways, too, this is a huge support system to the young players that they have, the the Vlads and Vigios and Bichettes of the world. This is a very young team, a very green team, and having a guy who's been there, won before, being an influence in this locker room, I think is huge coming from an organization that's been in the playoffs a lot in the last few years and scandals aside, George Springer is a fantastic ball player. And uh, we'll see if Kirby Yates can also help out that bullpen. That's another kind of signing that guy gets swept under the rug with the Springer stuff. And, and then there's Don Sutton who, you know, what a rotation heaven must have in the last year. Uh, it seems like every couple of weeks in 2020, we were talking about some, Hall of Fame Major League Baseball player passing away. And Don Sutton, obviously the latest, lost his battle of cancer at the age of 75. And, you know, Sutton, I remember in my youth as a guy who pitched for the Angels, <laughs> you know, I was kind of the tail end of the Don Sutton career. But mm-hmm. I remember the moment of him winning his 300th game. And I know he'll be remembered most for his time with the Dodgers. There's no doubt about that. And uh, I know for you, a little bit more personal, as you said, had some more interactions with him. But Certainly one of uh, the another character of baseball, too. Don Sutton always had a lot to say about a lot of things, and I think that will certainly be missed in the game. Yeah, a, a guy that, as I said yesterday on social media, I've always looked forward to seeing. He was with the Nationals for a year or two, but it, primarily he was with the Braves on their TV and radio broadcasts. But uh, as I said, he... Um, he always made time for people and he always liked to tell stories. And and I'm so happy that I can look back now through the years and people would always say like, what are you doing in there talking to Don Sutton? Or what are you doing talking? Like I always took those opportunities. I don't have a lot of regrets as far as meeting some of the legends in baseball. I always tried to take as much advantage of just soaking it all in as I could, but I would go into the radio booth in, um, in Miami or the TV booth in Miami he would immediately see me, ask me to sit down. We'd sit down. We'd talk for five or 10 minutes. It would turn into 30 minutes. All of a sudden, it's an hour, and the game is getting ready to start. And it's like, I can't believe that he spent all this time with me. So definitely rest in peace for sure, uh, Don Sutton. All right, NBA last night, quiet night. But we will break down our fantasy standouts, me, Joe, and Brett Levy. So make sure you stay tuned to Sports Grid. We got more on fantasy sports today. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. We are going to spend some time talking about the Toronto Blue Jays and George Springer coming up in about 10 minutes from now after our NBA fantasy standouts. But some news broke in the last 10 minutes that uh, Michael Brantley, former outfielder with George Springer, ironically in Houston, signs a three-year deal with the Blue Jays as well. So, uh, Joe, no shortage of outfielders and no shortage of capable hitters for sure uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays this year. It's not that they're doubling down. It looks like they're tripling down. And then we'll have to kind of see how they parse things a little bit and how they figure out playing time. Because there does appear only to be one spot for Randall Gritchick and uh, and Lourdes Gurriel. For those people who are not familiar, those are the two kind of extra outfielders now that Brantley and Springer are there. But uh, they'll get that figured out. You know, it's an, it's it's a good thing to have an excess of players. And, and I'm supposing that they'll tr- maybe try and trade for a starting pitcher if they can. But there are some decent viable starting pitchers on the wire as well for them to pick up. But another big move for the Blue Jays. They've had some offseason, that's for sure. Yeah, the outfield's getting crowded right now with Grichuk and Gurriel and Springer and a few other guys. Yasker Hernandez probably moving to DH, I would guess, full-time probably. Uh, might be part of that as well. But maybe somebody will get moved. Maybe Gurriel is that odd man out. I'm sure he's still young enough we can get something for him. You've seen some good minor league numbers for him. But make no mistake about it. I mean, Michael Brantley's far from done. Michael Brantley's still a very good hitter. A very polished hitter, a guy's going to hit for average, give you some pop. He doesn't have the speed that he used to when he's playing back with the Indians. But, I mean, this is another excellent move here for the Jays. And I got to tell you, Craig, I hope I hope we get some Blue Jays baseball on Buffalo with this lineup because this lineup is stacked right now. And we saw how that ballpark played, and we saw it was almost like Coors East, we started to call it a little bit. And the DFS community loved the, <laughs> the Buffalo Blue Jays last year, and I was certainly one of them. So I am selfishly rooting for some games in Buffalo with this lineup because it at least appears to be stacked. I, I don't know about this rotation still. I mean, Thornton is interesting. Certainly he has some talent. I think when you look at Robbie Ray, if they can get him right and to abandon what he was trying to fiddle with with his mechanics last year and changing all of that, I think at the worst possible time. Robbie Ray certainly has upside. Ryu's got a lot of pressure on him, but they need some more pitching if they're going to compete. I, I understand the lineup is sick, but you got to pitch too. Otherwise, you're going to be losing games 10-8. Yeah, and, and that could be the case, although they won a lot of those games last year, they 10-8. Did. But, yeah, no doubt they'll have to uh, chew up the pitching staff for sure. All right, uh, fantasy standouts from the NBA last night. A very short schedule, so not a lot here, but we'll have plenty tomorrow, trust me, as we bring in uh, Brett Levy, our producer here, who, of course, has a extensive background in the NBA. And, uh, Brett, let's go through the fantasy standouts, and we'll get your thoughts on some of these. Uh, I watched a couple of games last night. Very specifically, I saw... Uh, Zion Williamson, who was essentially, to me, the one-man show uh, last night for the Pelicans. But let's take a look at it real quick. Um, You know, Lou Dort had a nice game, 20 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steals. Another good game for Jokic, 27 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal, and 1 block. Zion's numbers don't really tell the story to me in that one, Brett. When I watch that game between New Orleans and, uh, and Utah, and you see Donovan Mitchell's numbers there and Rudy Gobert, uh, you know, Utah Brett is a really interesting team because they don't excite you all that much. They're very deep. 
They seem to move the ball around. Like all four or five guys are touching the ball at different times. And on the New Orleans side, I mean, it's a little bit of a disjointed team. I, I think that's to be expected. They weren't a good team last year. So, you know, Zion's basically piling up the stat sheet, but he really didn't have a huge impact in that game. I never felt like New Orleans was even in the game yesterday. Yeah, I felt like Utah was pretty much in control the whole time, too. Uh, Don Mitchell, I thought, was fantastic. I, I don't know if you saw his one crazy assist from under the basket, but that was really impressive. Uh, you know, Utah has a lot of players that come in and play with high energy. Uh, we've seen Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench. He's probably a contender for six man of the year, the way he's been playing. So, uh, they just have a lot of different guys who fill roles. Uh, you know, Gobert is kind of a defensive guy, so he's not really going to score. And then you bring in Niang, who can kind of shoot the three and create a little bit of an offense from the big position. So they just have a lot of role players that fit roles. And Quinn Snyder is a great coach, so that team will be rolling. And from Zion, I think you're right, too. Like, he definitely impacts the game. I guess what's nerving about seeing those stats is he only had five rebounds and you'd like your power forward to contribute a little more on the glass. But I think that will come as he continues to learn Stan Van Gundy's uh, system and maybe he'll be a little more focused on the defensive end and attacking those boards. Yeah, Brett, yeah, yeah look, Lonzo, oh, yeah, go ahead, bro. Go, go ahead, Joe. No, I was going to say, I'd love to stick with the Jazz just for a moment, too, if I may, because we're mm -hmm. on it. It's, you know, right now they're seven and two on the road. And watching last night, the ball movement that they had, Brett, was very impressive. The defense they played, the contributions of the guys off the bench. And they're one of only three teams right now that is in the double digit wins in the West. It's them, it's the Clippers and the Lakers. And everyone's talking about the Lakers and the Clippers and the West and all this stuff. But is Utah the team that really I think everybody needs to stand up and recognize right now because of the defense, because of the way they move the ball and get everybody involved? Because it seemed from watching last night, and maybe it's just a matter of they were just you know a much better uh, team than the team they were playing in terms of opponent. But my goodness, they looked like a very complete team that really played basketball and not so much these star power engines that we're used to seeing in the NBA. In some ways, does that make them more dangerous, especially on the road as we've seen so far this year? Yeah, I think it uh, certainly helps them in the regular season. Uh, in the playoffs, you know, it's tough, Joe. Everyone wants the superstars and the game slows down. It's a lot more ISO. But if you can create a free-flowing offense and create open shots, I mean, these are all NBA players. So we'd all like to think that they can hit these open shots. And Utah does a great job of making sure that they're always in the flow of the offense. Uh, you know, one thing that we always looked at when we were scouting Utah when I was in the NBA is how they'd call their plays actually when the team's running back on defense. So all the guys' heads are already looking at the coach anyway, right? So they call their play and then they, all five guys automatically know what they're in coming down the court. Uh, not many teams do that. So that's something that maybe uh, year two with Mike Conley in that system, another year with Bogdanovich there, uh, Joe Engels is now more of a three with all their additions at the guard position. So, uh, you know, all these guys in new roles a year ago, maybe they're more comfortable now and that team's really flowing right now. Yeah. There, there are two players that you, you'd forget were in the NBA. If you watch that game last night, one, you just mentioned Brett and Mike Conley. And the other one is JJ Redick. I always forget yeah. JJ Redick's <laughs> gotta be somewhere in the NBA knocking down. Threes and, I, and I saw him. I saw him play uh, in that game last night. But, yeah, I, I agree with you, Brett. I, I think, you know, more to Joe's point is I think Utah's the kind of team 
that they're going to roll off a really good regular season. They're going to win 50-some-odd games. They're probably going to smash whoever they play in the first round in the West. And then it's going to be right down to where they were last year because you you saw that series with Denver last year where it was basically Donovan Mitchell and uh, and Jamal Murray going head-to-head. Like They're going to need Donovan Mitchell to either play at that level in the playoffs or they're going to be an easy out. I think that that's that's kind of I, I think where they potentially would be. So um, we'll certainly see there. Um, Brett, any uh, any final thoughts? Anything you're looking forward to tonight in the uh, in the NBA? I know there's like a, a full slate of games. I didn't see any postponements or cancellations. So I, I, I hope tomorrow we'll have a lot more fantasy standouts. We only have two games. You only have five guys. It's pretty much the way it works. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm definitely excited to see my guy Kemba Walker get back on the court tonight. Uh, for Charlotte. And then I'm also looking forward to the Nets big three making their debut tonight, Craig. So that'll be an interesting one to watch as well. Lots of good stuff in the NBA tonight. All right. So we'll check that out for sure. Thanks again to uh, Brett for coming on and sharing his knowledge in the NBA every day when we do our NBA fantasy standouts, I would guess for the next couple of months until baseball kicks around, then we'll do some NBA and we'll do some baseball as well for sure. But just kind of uh, updating you again, uh, Michael Brantley, three-year contract with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. So uh, Brantley now joins George Springer and a cast of other characters. The Jays are definitely going for it. And coming up next year on the show, we're going to take a look at what George Springer brings to the Jays. We'll add Michael Brantley to that mix, take a look at their potential lineup with or without Brantley in it. It's, it's kind of incredible to think that when you look at the American League and you look at the American League East, Uh, Who would have thought that we'd be here on January the 20th and say the Blue Jays made the biggest impact? But it's been a while. That's where we're at. That's what we'll talk about coming up next here on Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. We'll also kick some football around with Dr. Chow. We'll talk about Patrick Mahomes and what kind of odds we could see on him playing this weekend in the AFC Championship game. So make sure you stay on the grid. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. The fantasy baseball season will be coming up for us in about a month from now. We'll start talking about baseball every day. We're toward the end of the NFL season, but we're right in the middle of the hot stove. It used to be around December where things like this would get popping, but now it's January apparently. And of the big three free agents who were left, and of course that includes Trevor Bauer, JT Romuto, the one that ends up signing yesterday is George Springer who, as you can see, over a 162-game average is as good as it gets in Major League Baseball. 35 home runs, 95 runs driven in, 116 runs. You see the on-base percentage and slugging percentage. You know, Joe, you're not going to do much better than that. And and look, I know that Springer is tied to, you know, the old Astros, but uh, he was a really good player before that. I think he'll probably be a really good player after that. 
And and simply put, it's a nice signal for Blue Jays fans. They've been waiting for winning for a long time. And mm-hmm. and it's really a very well-supported team. They have an excellent TV contract, a nice ballpark. And simply put, there's just no reason for the Blue Jays to be bad like five years in a row. Like that's that's just shouldn't be acceptable there, just like it shouldn't be acceptable in any bigger market. And the Blue Jays are definitely in with adding Springer and then compounding that with the news of them adding Michael Brantley to a three-year contract deepens their lineup and you probably could put it up against virtually any lineup in the American league and say, who's is better. Yeah. Look, I mean, it's, it's hard to look back and say, okay, when's the last time the blue Jays were relevant? And I guess the peak of Roy Halladay being there. And that's, that's a long time ago now. And I, and I think when you look at George Springer and we'll dissect this lineup here a little bit as well, but when you look at the 162 stats of George Springer, that tells you what kind of impact that guy is, right? That guy can have, on a team. Now the downside is you look at the game log. It's very rare he plays 162. He's usually around 140. He's always usually at least one George Springer DL stint. So that is something to keep in mind. And at 31 years old now, this contract will end in his 37, 38 year age season somewhere in that ballpark. And we'll see how that decline happens and what kind of decline there is because there have been some durability questions at least. I wouldn't say issues, but questions. And inevitably there's style play issues the guy plays very hard sometimes that leads to injuries but he's had his share of them and it's consistent every year there's at least one 15-day dl or il stint for george springer but there's no denying what kind of impact he makes and this is a guy you can put at the top of the order like he did for the astros and just absolutely roll i mean he's got power he drives in runs he scores runs now it's gonna be a little different because i think the length of that astros lineup last few years has been incredible and I don't think the length of the Blue Jays lineup is quite the same. But when you look at the Blue Jays lineup with George Springer at the top, my goodness, that is a very formidable one through five. You're talking about Springer at the top, who's an MVP caliber talent. Gavin Biggio and Bichette both last year had enormous runs in that 60-game season where they were looking like absolute studs. Then Teoscar Hernandez, who we're going to talk about later on the show, had emerged as like a star somebody that I know I am and probably you as well have been waiting for this version of Teoscar Hernandez every single year where he looks so good and you're just waiting for him to to make more contact and drive the ball more and he did and then if you're buying into the physical fitness of Vlad Guerrero and you look at the talent that every scouting director in the world will tell you Vlad Guerrero is this can't miss guy one through five Craig it doesn't get much better than this it's the question of what do you do now where does Michael Brantley slip in there does he slip into the six or seven spot? And if so, who's slipping out? It's going to be tough to move Grichik. Lourdes Gurriel, I think, offers a lot to a team. He did come up as a second baseman. Does he go back to second base on another team? Do they flip him for some more starting pitching? There's some questions there. This Brantley signing and how he now ends up into this equation, I'm not sure that any of us has the answer to it. Maybe they just want the depth. Maybe they're just going to play the matchups. With Brantley being an older player, it could certainly make sense. But Craig, does this Brantley signing tell you that somebody else is going to be odd man out or maybe being moved to another team to perhaps get more bullpen or or starting rotation help? Yeah, look, it's very early to say because they just made the trade. But as you can see from the lineup, there just isn't enough room for all of these players to play every single day. There, it just isn't there. Uh, you know, at the time, I, I believe it was a couple of years ago when they when they signed Grichik to that contract extension, we all sort of scratched our heads and we're like, what are they doing? that proved to be correct in terms of what are they doing? Because while Grichuk is a good player, I would not categorize him as a great player. And now I would think, Joe, that he's sort of an immovable player because of that at this point. And if you're telling me that nobody wants Chris Bryant, I don't think anybody's going to take Randall Grichuk. 
So I think he's sort of stuck there. You're right. Guriel would be the one interesting piece. Maybe that Toronto would move or simply put, they could stretch this thing out, Joe, and do nothing and go into spring training with this, wait for some other team to maybe have an injury or have a need and then make a deal right before opening day. How many times have we seen teams where we think they're, they have too much, they do nothing, right? and then we just make the assumption they're bringing it into the season, and then what do we do? The two nights before the season, they make the trade, right? So, I mean, it, it right. could well, be that. An injury, you know, and an injury ends up opening a spot, too, where we go, oh, look, they had a surplus. Good thing they had a surplus of pitchers or, or yeah. relief guys because that's what happened, yeah. and you're probably right. They probably will go in and say, at least we have a strength somewhere and a little bit of insurance and a little bit of maneuverability. And I think the Brantley signing is also important too, because you're, you've really upgraded the defense in the outfield quite a bit. I mean, Springer and Brantley into this outfield mix. And, and then you can, you know, Grichuk and, and Gurriel, you can discuss how good a defenders you think they are in the corner spot, depending on who becomes that guy, or if it ends up being uh, some sort of weird rotation to guys, but that does help the pitching staff. My question is too. Now, what can you rely on for Hyunjin Ryu over 30 starts? And, and that is always the question because He's had some moments in his career where that has been a question mark, but I have no questions about his talent as a pitcher. And anybody who still does, I think is just nuts. You're not paying attention. Ryu's been very good since the second half of 2018. He was incredible in 2019 in the first half, good in the second half. And then last year in the 20 game season after a rough first start, basically was the Ryu of the year before. But now you have a lot of pressure on Nate Pearson to take that next step. A very good young pitcher, a pitcher that they're very high on. He had a little physical issue last year. Also some performance issues. You have Tanner Rourke, who is, you know, probably one of these fifth starter kind of guys can give you innings. The innings eater guys are not usually the ones that really impress you from a fantasy standpoint. Trent Thornton has some upside. You've seen it from time to time. He lacks consistency and that's kind of what's hurt him right now. And then there's Robbie Ray, who I think is the biggest wild card, because if Robbie Ray can get right, here's your strikeout guy. Here's your guy that can go out there and throw eight innings and strike out 14 guys. Cause we've seen Robbie Ray do that. The question is, are we getting the good Robbie Ray or the bad Robbie Ray? And in some ways he reminds me a little bit of Trevor Bauer, another old Arizona pitcher who just lacked consistency and eventually did find that later on in his career. Maybe Robbie Ray has that same kind of potential, but when you look at this rotation and the bullpen, Craig, do you think that the Jays are done? Do you think that now that they've spent, they've got to continue to spend and and bring in somebody or take a shot on a James Paxton or take a shot moving one of their surplus outfielders and continue to help this rotation? Because to me, it seems still very thin if you're going to be a serious playoff team. Well, look, here's the interesting part about that. Everything that you're saying is accurate, but then you take a, a step back and then you close your eyes and you take a deep breath and you think and you say, okay, who do the Rays have? Who do the Yankees have? Who do the Red Sox have? And, and then you start going around the American League and you say, the Jays are not that far from anyone. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're far off from, from uh, San Diego. You know, they're, they're far off from what Washington has. Uh, they're, you know, they don't have an ace like the Yankees do in Garrett Cole. But there's just so little pitching, Joe, around the league that I just mm -hmm. don't think that they're that far off with being somewhere in the middle. With that lineup, it, it on paper, it's not good. Is it better than Baltimore? Is it better than Boston? Like, I mean, none of these teams have anything anyway. I, I guess it's a good it's point Boston. when you're looking around the rest of the East. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly questions about Eduardo Rodriguez and Chris Sales' health, and no doubt about that in Boston. I'll yeah. give you another name, too, that's floating on that roster that I think could very well crack the rotation, and I think if you're in a deeper fantasy league that I would be drafting late, and that name is Ross Stripling. 
because Ross Stripling had some very good starts for the Dodgers in the last two years. He was a guy that was called upon out of the bullpen to make starts, became a pretty good starting pitcher. Is he lighting up the radar gun? No, but can he get you some outs and some quality starts? I think the answer is yes. And if you're going to give him run support, better defense, which I think we can now kind of say with confidence that the Blue Jays have done that, I think Ross Stripling is a guy that's going to absolutely compete for a rotation spot there. And and if he can be a, a, a really solid four or even a number three, that might be enough to get you to the trade deadline and then evaluate where you are and how much do you want that's to go the, in. Because the they've point. got some other pieces. That's, that's the got point, really. Pieces. I mean, if they yeah. need it, Joe, they'll get it at the deadline. I mean, I mean, think about it. Okay, so so your rotation is Hunjin Rue. You have to obviously believe Nate Pearson with, with him being a first-round pick and what they've invested in him is the, is the it's two. It's just the innings you're going to get from him that I'm concerned with. That's that's my thing. Like, right, you're well, not going to get 100 I, I don't know, but they're going to try. They're gonna Every every okay. team has a young pitcher, and the answer is we're going to try. He's the one on the Jays. Mm-hmm. So okay. the second one is Pearson. The third one is Stripling. The fourth one is Robbie Ray. They'll figure out the fifth, or they'll add, you know, uh, Adam Sanchez, yep. or just some veteran Thornton, like you said. And and on paper, it stacks up. It's it stacks up. And and not that it's good. It's just there is no pitching in baseball. There there's five teams that are good, and the rest of them are all just kind of average. And in the in in the East to start the season, they're better than Boston. They're better than Baltimore. Tampa Bay, I mean, they'll figure it out, and someone's going to end up being a Cy Young Award candidate that we don't know who it is because that's what happens with Tampa every year. But beyond Glass now, they got nothing. I mean, it's that's it's 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 kind of uh, it's kind of on par for me with with some of the other clubs. So it's it's only natural to look at a trade and look at the extra players that appear on the roster that it appears they have no place to play. But it's a now position of strength for the Blue Jays, and they're not just going to punt a player because they have that strength, but I certainly would expect them now that they're all in to not be done. They're going to, they're going to probably add a bullpen piece, I would guess, and, and continue along this line of trying to get back into the postseason like they did last year, really impressive off season for the Jays. And it wasn't that way one week ago, go figure. All right. We got to take a break here on fantasy sports today. We got plenty more to come. So make sure you stick around. We'll kick around some football talk with Dr. David Chow in hour number two about Patrick Mahomes. So make sure you stay on the grid and don't go away. Follow us on Twitter, by the way, at SportsGrid. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish and Joe on Twitter at JoePizzaPia17. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid, sportsgrid.com. Thanks so much for watching our show, whether you're watching live or on demand. Uh, I have no arguments about the 60-game season in 2020. I was happy we had any baseball at all. So I'm not going to sit here and throw water on it or say it didn't count or it didn't matter because I think it kept my excitement for baseball going during that time. 
Obviously, we don't want to see that again. We want to see a full season being played or something close to it, 140, 150, 162 games. But, Joe, it is it is for, I think, a lot of people this uh, this upcoming fantasy season when we do start talking about it, that those 60 games are really going to play more of a factor, I think, for most than they mm-hmm. should. And that's what's going to create a very unique uh, season where there's going to be a lot of misses on players. There's going to be a lot of evaluations that are going to be incorrect. And and I don't think that it's the fault of anyone, Base, uh, baseball, football, every, everything is unpredictable. And it's very hard as it is to take a look at something and make assumptions. But uh, to me, this is the one year out of all the fantasy seasons that I'm going to probably play in that I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to be guessing a lot more because we really don't have a lot to go on. And if you are, you have to make the call. You're going to go on last season. You're going to go on the guy's career. You're going to go on 2019. It's just not an easy proposition this year. No, it's not, especially when it comes to pitchers. And I think that's going to be the great unknown, especially the younger pitchers who are trying to build up innings and, and figure that out and build up the stamina. What's going to happen? Some of these guys come June, July, right? Where are we with some of these young pitchers where, you know, maybe they're hitting that same plateau that they hit the year before and now they're going past it. And that normal training where they've been slowly building up from the 80 to 100 to the 120 to 150 and so on, you don't have that. All of a sudden you had a break in that progression and that's going to be very difficult. It's also going to be difficult to look at some of the hitters that I think people liked the value of, liked the upside of, and they outperformed expectations. So you saw all the good, but you didn't see the extra, you know, 100 plus games of what the bad might be. And I think that's the difference. So you could start with a player like Dominic Smith. And when you look back at his minor league track record, this is a guy that hits for a very good average. Seemed like a good hitter, maybe more in that James Loney mold, right? Of guys that, you know, first basemen that aren't sluggers. And last year you saw the home runs tick up. He hit as many home runs in 50 games as he hit in 89 the year before. And that is great. But it's also a bit of a red flag when you start to wonder about the player. Now, you can assume that Dominic Smith's made adjustments. You can assume more time in the big leagues and more at-bats and more work. He's been a guy that's worked very hard, a very well-liked guy, another high-character guy in this Mets clubhouse, which is now filled with high-character guys, which I think is going to be uh, very refreshing for me as a Mets fan to watch. A very infectious personality. A guy that it seems like has carved out a role for himself on this team which was also a big question mark. Would he play first? Would he play outfield? What if there's DH? What if there's no DH? But Craig, when you're looking at a player like this, you saw the batting average over 60 games. That's great. It's the power that I'm really kind of still suspect with. And when you're looking at Dominic Smith over the 60 games from your eyeballs, did you see enough there for him in terms of adjustments and growth that you're buying the 60 game season? Or are you like me and just a little bit hesitant to go all in on Dom Smith yet? Yeah, I don't think anybody will be all in on him, but I, but I do think that he showed enough for me to consider him this year. I, I think so. The Mets lineup is definitely going to be improved, provided that he's hitting behind some of the guys that are in that lineup. Also, remember, Nimmo did not have a great 60-gamer. Uh, McNeil was in and out of the lineup a little bit. Uh, Dominic Smith was kind of their rock, so to speak, last, yeah. last year, playing every day and, and kind of emerged as their leader, honestly, toward the end of the year. So... Um, Look, first base is not nearly as deep as it used to be in the old days when we were talking about Pujols and Adrian Gonzalez and all of these 40-homer, 100-run-driven bats. I that miss remember also, you you're, making me, you're making me emotional. Don't don't say all those names at <laughs> once. They're gone. Like I mean, they're gone. I mean, I mean, Pete Alonso also had a down year, too. So um, I, I, I would I would be interested in, in, in Dominic Smith. I'd be a lot more interested if Major League Baseball could just make this bleeping announcement that the DH is back, and that would really help people. I mean, that that, that – that, that, that's the other thing, too, is that 
as, as I've said many times, and, and everyone knows from watching this show, I am not an early drafter. I have great respect for those who do it, whether it's in, in fun leagues, pay leagues, or the NFBC. Uh, I want as much, I, I don't feel like I have a big enough advantage right now over the pack of the group think, which is the excuse that everyone makes. I don't think I have that advantage right now to win. I'd rather give me as much information as I possibly can. And it used to be me going to spring training, speaking to people, getting information that could help me in fantasy. I had a conversation actually yesterday about this, Joe, with somebody. Somebody called me yesterday, a friend of mine, and said that he wanted to play in a fantasy baseball league with me this year. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, we'll figure it out. We'll do a show league or something like that. And then he asked me, he said, well, how do you usually do in fantasy baseball leagues? And I'm like, well, I used to beat up on my friends all the time. But now that I'm playing in these expert leagues, honestly... I really don't win. I'll finish it near the top. Sometimes I'll finish at the bottom. But in general, these these people are very sharp. They're on it every single day. And so uh, he said, but you know, but I've listened to your show in the past. I've watched your show in the past. But you always seem to find these guys that we have not been thinking of. You name them at the beginning of the year. Not 10, but two or three that end up hitting. But that doesn't win you the league. I mean, that, that's the problem is it doesn't win you the league. It can help. That I could give you, you know, Sung Juan O or, or some or some guy out of nowhere that ends up being a star. Yeah, but it takes a lot to win a league. And to not know that there's a DH right now, I will not participate until I know. I'm just, I, I just don't. I mean, what if it's a no? I feel like it would be hey, stupid. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing the, it. I'm one of the I'm one of the guys that sets the group think. So I get it. Like, it's very hard. And I think that's why I always lean on the people that I do the black book with, you know, people that I know are, you know, just like, you know, people who see the game in the similar way and, and have similar takes on players, but also similar takes on strategies. And that's why I think there's too much evaluation of players and not enough evaluation of strategy. And that's what I always try to do in the black book is give people more league specific strategies for the player pool and what the player pool looks like and start thinking like in a bigger scale of things instead of hyper-focusing on this sleeper player or that sleeper player or this bounce back, like that's all great. But winning leagues is based on strategy more than necessarily getting the one-offs. It's not like football in that sense where it's a smaller player pool that's important and you have that one guy who becomes an RB1 that you don't draft, that you pick up on the waiver wire. That is a game-changing kind of thing. And I know in terms of game-changers for the Jays last year, Teoscar Hernandez is one of those guys. Now, this guy I've had on my team, I don't know, every single year except last year. I was out. I said, I can't do this to myself anymore. I love the power. I love the upside. I felt like an apologist for this guy for the last three years. And what does he do? He turns it on in 2020. I mean, incredible amount of power. You had the OPS over 900. The numbers speak for themselves. And now you got Springer and Brantley in this order, along with the young guys. I got to say, I will buy back in at the higher price. I'm happy to do that. Strikeout's still an issue, Craig. But this is one of the 60-game seasons where, with the additions to the club this offseason, and the the kind of like Jorge Soler was for me, a player that I just, you see it and you're waiting and you're waiting. And then sometimes you lose patience and then boom, that's when it happens. And it's a good lesson not to lose patience on certain players. I think I will buy back into Hernandez regardless of this 60 game smaller sample size. Will you be buying into him? Yeah, I've always liked him too. Uh, it, it's really interesting with him. He's one of the spring guys that I saw many years ago when, when Houston was getting ready to make that run. And the year that they won the World Series... Uh, they had, you know, what happens is at spring training, it's like you have the option. You could go into the big league game or you can watch the minor league game. And most times I do watch the big league game, but sometimes there'll be a scout or there'll be someone who I want to talk to and they'll be like, ah, you want to meet me on the backfield? It's always on the backfield at a, at a minor league game. And the Astros, 
uh, you know, have this minor league game going. T. Oscar hit a home run. It was my first awareness of who he was, you know, started talking to people about him. But, Joe, the other funny part of that, it was Teoscar Hernandez. It was J.D. Davis. It was Derek mm-hmm. Fisher. It was Jordan Alvarez. It was like uh, Kyle Tucker. It's like all, all, <laughs> all the future Astros while all the current ones were out there winning a World Series. So mm-hmm. when they traded Teoscar, it was sad, and it was a bad, horrible trade for them, too. I think they got Francisco Liriano, if I'm not mistaken, for him. And I guess he helped them win the World Series. At least he was warming up in the pen at one he point. <laughs> I don't think he did yeah. much. But uh, not, you know, the, the, at that time, Houston, all they were trying to do was win a World Series. It didn't matter who they were giving up, and they were just fleeing from those young guys. It was like, who can we right. get to help the team now? And we got to trade the prospects. Musgrove was one of those two. They moved him also. Uh, so, yes, I'm, I'm very much in on this player. I saw him play also last year in Miami. He played two out of the three games, had an impact off the bench. I think he hit a double in the game that I went to. So, uh, yeah, I have nothing but glowing things to say about this player. I don't think he's a 50 home run guy, but I certainly could see his, his, uh, him with 30 at the end of the year. Now, another guy whose power kind of emerged last year was Brandon Lau. But if you look closer to the year before, you started to see the slogan percentage creep over 500 in 2019. And Brandon Lau, look, I understand he was stone cold just terrible when you got to the the end game when you got to the world yeah. series a guy couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat but i'm not going to crush a guy for a one bad week not against the pitching that the dodgers have okay i mean this guy was very good last year now here's my situation i don't know if i buy in 100 percent to the 60 games and how good he was because he was much better at 25 than he was in some of the other when you go back and dig into the minor league stats but that is a natural progression The reason I'm more willing to be aggressive on Brandon Lau is not so much about his performance, but the lack of second base as a whole. And that position to me this year is one of the weakest there is. You've seen drop-offs of guys like Altuve. You're seeing some guys age out of that position. And then you're seeing a lot of question mark guys. I mean, you know, the top of the board for this position looks very different than it did three or four years ago. It is very tough right now. Therefore, I look at Lau as a guy that although he has risk because of the position he plays, I'm willing to kind of roll with that risk because of the reward and where it might separate me again from a strategy standpoint. But I don't want to overrate the one week. I don't want to overrate the 60 games. But I think when you look collectively over, I would say the last two years, you're seeing a player that's doing the right things and and starting to make progress and make an evolution. Do you see that same thing out of Brandon Lau? Or are you a little concerned? Once again, didn't see 162, just saw 60. Is that enough to really buy into a player and feel good about it? Yeah, it's interesting. If you just add in all the postseason stats, you got more of a, a complete season for him as far as they got, right? Mm-hmm. You got 75 or 80 games there. And, and as you mentioned, in those games, outside of the one home run that he hit in the postseason, he didn't do anything. Uh, I, I was thinking that going into that postseason that he would be a really good target for me. Now, I just think that, as you mentioned, his value is tied to the fact that the position is thin. I think that's mm-hmm. more or less the way that I see it. I'm also never 100% confident that the Rays are going to play their guys all the time. Like, if you told me that this guy, Brousseau, would start playing second base next year uh, and and Lau would be sitting against lefties, it would not shock me. So I always have that concern, but he's a top five second baseman, no doubt, going into the year next year. Uh, this year, no doubt. Yeah, and, and the last guy on this list, too, is Dylan Bundy, who – Oh, not again. I had zero sh- – I look, hey, look at the strikeouts to walk. 72 to 17, Craig. Uh, look, that that is gaudy. You know it and I know it. That's the kind of stat line you see from elite pitchers. 
when you see an ERA around the low threes, when you see 72 strikeouts in far less innings, when you see a K per nine that's in the double digits. I understand your skepticism was real last year, and I didn't have any shares of him. I did not have the foresight. Some people I played in leagues with did. They took a shot on Monday. I was out. But in DFS, I was in because it was getting good, and you just had to ride it. He had a couple bad games, but overall, even he with the bad games, the ERA was he, but the overall, the ERA was still at 3.18. So that tells you how dominant he was from that stretch. So I, I can tell from your tone, you're not buying in at all to Dylan Bundy. And I think that's fair, but we got to take some shots yeah. with somebody this year at pitcher. Oh, of course. Oh, listen, of course. And, and look, he definitely proved me wrong with the numbers at the end of the season. But he, uh, I, I guess maybe the fact that he kind of regressed to the mean and his mean was much better than what it was in Baltimore. So I can't completely rule that out. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. I'm just not a huge fan of the player. And and I think that eventually the home runs are going to pop back for him again. Maybe the better park has helped him pitching in Los Angeles, but probably not for me. Probably not going to end up on any of my teams. All right. Sad of the day is coming up next on Fantasy Sports Today. Have it next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. We got our headlines coming up next. We'll go over the wild night and day for the Toronto Blue Jays as they continue to add players even into today. So we'll get to that in just five minutes from now. Make sure you stay on the grid. But let's close out the hour with our stat of the day. Joe, what do we got today? Well, even before we get to the stat of the day, I just want to announce that uh, I have also signed with the Toronto Blue Jays. It's a two-year deal. Clearly, there's an opt-out in the first three weeks, and I will probably take that opt-out, or they'll probably just use it on me and cut me. But uh, anyway, let's talk a little bit about Liam Hendricks and how important this signing might be for the Chicago White Sox. Certainly, I think when you look at the White Sox, you know the lineup is great. Rotation certainly got better in the offseason, adding Lance Lynn. It was whether or not the bullpen can be good. And just how good has Liam Hendricks been since 2019? He is first among all relievers in ERA, 166. First in Ward, 5.2, if you're a big war stat head. And then he's third in strikeout to walk ratio, which is just a, a stunningly good. He's more than three to one in the K to walk ratio. So they got themselves their dominant reliever. And I got to tell you, I mean, I understand all the money's been going to the White Sox. They're going to be a trendy pick. But sometimes there's the good chalk, as we like to say on a lot of the shows that I host. And it feels like the White Sox and adding Liam Hendricks really does make them the good chalk, Craig. Do you think this is as impactful as a signing as I do? No, no, I don't, I, I don't nice. believe nice. in any closer. Um, I believe you have to have one and you have to try and you have to do your best, <laughs> but these things never work out. Never do. Okay. I mean, 
Just ask the guy who Liam Hendricks replaced, who was the first closer in fantasy being taken and the elite closer in fantasy being taken. He replaced oh, Blake Trinan. Uh, Blake Trinan say, well. in Oakland. In Oakland. Oh, okay. I thought you meant um, who he replaced in Chicago. Yeah, no, no, no. Colome, Colome was good, but he was not that. So, look, <laughs> once every 10 years, there's going to be a Kenley Jansen that is going to be great. And there's going to be a Kimbrel that's going to be great. But there are 30 teams in baseball. And if you go back two years, you probably can't find a closer that was closing for his team in 2018. I just, I, it's just that kind of league. I hope Hendricks is great. And he can very well be great. But these guys flame out so fast. And we'll see if that happens for the White Sox. Be right back. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 